Parks connects professionals in the life science, medical device, and food industries with useful content like webinars, job openings, articles, and virtual meetings to help you succeed in your career. This food industry-focused podcast brings together some of our editorial staff to share insights into the latest B2B industry news to help keep you up to date. This week on the show, we are discussing the Baby Food Safety Act of 2021 and Pepsi's newest permanent flavor in five years. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the X Talks Food Podcast. I'm Sydney Perlmutter, food industry journalist and webinar moderator at xtalks.com, and this week I'm joined by Mira Nabulsi, Aisha Rashid, and Sarah Hand. Thanks so much for coming today. So I'm going to start us off with a story sort of about the FDA and uh, food, baby food safety. So I'm not sure if you guys have been hearing about this, but parents and interested parties lately have been up in arms about their baby food. That is because there have been some levels of toxic heavy metals in baby food and they haven't necessarily been regulated too well by the FDA. So I wrote a story last Friday about a group of U.S. lawmakers who introduced the Baby Food Safety Act of 2021, and what they're pushing for is to limit the level of heavy metals in baby food, um, and it'll set maximum levels of mercury, lead, inorganic arsenic, and cadmium in baby food and cereal, and then it would also require manufacturers to comply with those uh, within one year. So the reason that this bill was introduced is because about a month ago, um, a congressional committee report was uh, released and it detailed the level of toxic heavy metal in foods. And there were actually a lot of lawsuits that were filed against various manufacturers, including Gerber and Campbell. So these are pretty big names. And a lot of these baby foods were actually marketed as organic and natural and you know, buzzwords like that, that parents may want to hear. But in reality, they were failing to inform consumers about the presence of heavy metals in their foods. So I was doing some research about what the FDA does and does not regulate. And currently, the FDA doesn't really set limits on heavy metals in most baby foods. But it does regulate toxins in other consumer products. um, And the agency, funny enough, has declared them as dangerous to human health. So there is a bit of a loophole going on that I could tell. I, I, I could not find why, but that is what I found. And following that congressional report, the FDA announced plans to limit the amount of heavy metals in baby foods. But until there's actually any detail, it's hard to know what that would entail. So that's why um, some Democratic lawmakers decided to take matters into their own hands by drafting this legislation to regulate baby food. Um, And heavy metals, it's good to note, they do occur naturally in some fruits and in some vegetables and grains, rather. um, But the amount can be increased by manufacturers by adding other tainted ingredients to baby food. So that's likely what was happening. Um, The Baby Food Safety Act will require heavy metal levels to be lowered within two years under FDA guidance, and um, and after three years, the agency will regulate those levels. So it got me thinking, you know, we put a lot of trust into the FDA and what they regulate 
but there are a bunch of loopholes um, and, and, and ways to kind of sneak by some regulations. And in this case, there weren't really any defined regulations, um, and it was only brought out by some additional research. And that must have been scary for parents to to discover uh, that per- potentially the baby food that they were feeding their children had levels of, of toxins in them that were potentially unsafe. And it took a group of, uh, you know, um, lawmakers to sort of bring that to the table when in reality it seems like something that should have been a very important thing um, that should have been regulated from the start. So I was kind of wondering what you guys thought, um, how much how much trust you put in the FDA to regulate um, food, um, and does this sort of bring out any skepticism for you guys in terms of uh, the FDA? Well, I'm surprised by this, that they never regulated uh, heavy metal contamination in baby food before now, Um, since, as you said, certain grains like rice are just naturally higher in heavy metals. They tend to absorb more heavy metals during the growth process, and then, um, you know, maybe there are more added during during processing with other ingredients, and rice features pretty heavily in uh, a lot of prepared baby foods. Um, So I'm surprised by that. I'm wondering what does FDA currently regulate around baby foods? I, I believe part of it is the like uh, nutritional component, I would guess. And then is another part of it um, that manufacturers have to test for, you know, microbial contamination, potential foodborne um, pathogens, or are you, do you know about that? Um, I'm not too sure about that. What I do know is that in August of 2020, the FDA finalized some some guidance for baby food that that set um, an action level of 100 parts per billion in inorganic arsenic mm-hmm. in infant rice cereal. So mm-hmm. just that, not necessarily um, baby food, p- the purees and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that with this new guidance... Um, manufacturers will have to test the final product and not just the individual ingredients that are put Mm. into baby foods before they ship them out. And that is something that apparently was rarely done prior to the introduction of of this act. What would happen is that they would potentially test the ingredients, but not necessarily the final product. And things happen in the manufacturing process where, you know, potentially toxic heavy metals are are more prominent in the final product. So this new act uh, should definitely help to regulate um, heavy metals in a way that was not done to the fullest of extent before. That is really surprising. Um, I but I could see that if they're testing the ingredients beforehand, everything looks fine. You know the um, the results are low enough. They think that the the finished product will be fine too. But um, there's certainly a lot of processing that goes into baby foods, and I'm wondering if um, when they're you know, condensing things or, or boiling things off or whatever the process may be, maybe you're concentrating the levels of heavy metals as you're getting rid of uh, water and like other components like that. So yeah, I find it really, um, really surprising. And what's, what's the response been by other countries outside of the US? Have you seen anything about that? I feel like I saw an article from CBC or something that said Canada, Canadian lawmakers like didn't think it was a big deal. And I was surprised by that. So that's a great question. I actually hadn't thought about or seen anything regarding uh, other countries, but 
I, I feel like the main reason that it's so concentrated uh, in the U.S. is because that's where a lot of these manufacturers are based. Mm. But that doesn't mean that other countries aren't affected by it, too, because mm-hmm. they, they receive these products as well. But that'll be a good thing to look into in the future. And I'm mm. surprised that it's not being taken very seriously because I was shocked like you. Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say shocked is the word I was going to use. Like, I was just shocked and appalled that, you know, um, that this could go by like this. I mean, you have regulations for normal adult food, and this is baby food. I mean, you would think there would be more stringent um, measures. And I'm, yeah, and I'd like to know what the quality controls are for baby foods in terms of what are they looking for in the final product and why are um you know contaminants like heavy metals not featured in in that final kind of control um process or that quality control assessment so this is very very shocking to me and um you mentioned loopholes what do you mean exactly by loopholes is it just a lack of uh regulation that you mean uh for baby foods in this respect I think it I think that's what I meant by loopholes. Mm-hmm. I said loopholes also because I was going to bring this up but I watched a documentary uh, recently about the FDA less relating to food, more relating to medical devices and um, medications and they were discussing some of the loopholes in terms of getting around um, FDA regulations. Mm-hmm. And that led to medical devices that were not well tested going onto the market. And really, it's just about greed and financial gain. So I think when I said loophole, that's sort of what what came to mind. But it it just also brought out more skepticism uh, on my part in terms of the FDA, because in many cases, it is a very trustworthy agency, and we look there for guidance uh, for a lot of the things that we consume. But in cases like this, when we are shocked when they don't regulate something, we have to question the agency as a whole. Um, yeah, I was going to say that I agree with Aisha. It's so shocking that this has happened. But I also want want to question what else is being um, disregarded and what else is being overlooked as something maybe not so important. And it, it makes me question, why is this now being you know brought up and why wasn't this brought up, I don't know, 10 years ago? Um, so in that sense, it does make me question the FDA. Um, obviously, they do, you know, regulate a lot of things that we do have today. But it's like these loopholes exactly is what what worries me, <laughs> especially in a market that's so vulnerable, like babies. Um, so, yeah. Right. Yeah. Parents, you know, put a lot of trust into these manufacturers when buying baby foods, and when they see it's, you know, it's safe, it's organic, it's yeah. natural, there really wasn't much thought to question that. Um, but now I think there is. And I really hope that this uh, act is passed and manufacturers comply quickly. And it's a good point too, Mira, about how long has this been going on? Like, were we as babies fed food that potentially yeah, exactly. had toxic heavy metals? And <laughs> I'm sure we were. <laughs> I'm sure, yeah. And will we see the effects of that later on in life? Um, or, you know, it's it's it'll be hard to track that, mm-hmm. but it will be interesting to see if anything potentially is brought back to um, toxic heavy metals in baby foods, any sort of neurological illnesses or disorders. Um, 
it'll it'll be interesting to see the future of this but um yeah especially with yeah. products that use words like organic and things like that where you fully yeah. trust in the product mm-hmm. because it is organic and then you find out there's actually these random you know toxins in them mm-hmm. or uh, and, uh, metals. Yeah. yeah that's something we've talked about before that um these you know buzzwords mm-hmm. yeah. they can't be a catch-all organic does not necessarily equal better um, or safe or safe yeah, yeah <laughs> potentially right it, it it means that there's other things that need to be considered there and um i i think that's not something that's being communicated to the public i think you're right mira you see the word organic on something and you assume that that's safe and healthy and better than something that doesn't have that yeah. word on it yeah and i think here you know you have both parties that need to be held accountable. Number one, the FDA, kind of like, why did you not have these regulations for something as sensitive as baby food? And number two, when we talk about, um, thank you for clarifying, Sydney, the, the loopholes. So are these companies, this makes me think, are these companies aware of these contaminants in their products? And are, you know, so, are, and are they deliberately, you know, trying to bypass those regulations or kind of sneak under the covers. I mean, that is so problematic. And um, these lawsuits uh, are warranted. And I think it's absolutely, um, it's shocking (laughs) to me. Yeah, Yeah. I think that's why these lawsuit class action lawsuits have have been filed. Um, just to hold the manufacturers accountable, because pretend maybe they were only testing the individual ingredients rather than the final products to, you know, avoid any sort of uh, regulation there. It's hard to know, but I hope that these lawsuits are successful and manufacturers are held accountable as well as the FDA. That's a great point. Yeah, sounds to me like the testing just wasn't being done afterwards, and Mm -hmm. um, it should be, so I think it's good that the FDA is taking action now to regulate these heavy metals, particularly when um, they've regulated them for other uh, foods, like I think you said bottled water, Sydney, Mm -hmm. Um, certainly should be regulated the same way for for baby food. Yep, agreed. (laughs) Okay, Mira, I'll pass it over to you. Okay, thank you, Sydney. So on to a more uh, less heavy, you know, story. Um, For the first time in five years, Pepsi has introduced a new flavor to the market, and that's uh, Pepsi Mango. So the mango flavor um, with the cola and the citrus accompanies a citrus and rich caramel flavor um, that uh, Pepsi is now introducing. So it launched on March 22nd and is available in regular and zero sugar varieties. Uh, Pepsi's national television commercial is running digitally also and it features Jason Derulo's top 40 song, Take You Dancing. I'm not sure if you guys have heard it, but it's very catchy. <laughs> but um, so what Pepsi did this time, which is kind of interesting with their launch, is that they're also launching a matchmaking service of the sorts. Okay, so it's using minimal person interaction, of course, because of COVID. And unlike um, Ship and Hinge and Tinder and the rest, Pepsi is using their social media platforms to create matches. So they believe that because they created the perfect match by combining cola and mango, that they could also do the same in people. Yeah, very interesting. <laughs> so, very corny. Yeah, very corny. Um, and the whole Jason Derulo take you dancing, it's just all adding up to this whole spectacle, which is interesting. But what they're doing is they're using their social media platforms and they're turning it into real dating advertorials for young and single individuals. So the Pepsi series 
is inspired by the 80s, dati- uh, 80s video dating fad, which introduces a single person on the screen in a fun introductory way and then allows people online to shoot their shot uh, using the contact information provided on their social media channels. And the series will include some reality TV stars and things like that that they will be revealing in the coming weeks. So my question for you is... Since COVID-19, and a lot of people have, you know, been minimally interacting and meeting their perfect matches, um, do you think this campaign is going to, you know, one, first, increase sales of Pepsi Mango, and two, is it something that Pepsi, you know, is equipped to do or, like, fits into the category of dating apps? Like, what are your thoughts on this marketing campaign? I think it's a huge stretch to just assume that since two flavors mesh well together, that two people will. Yeah. I, it's cute. Um, I don't think it will uh, correlate with sales, but maybe, you know, it, it's different. It's different. And I kind of rolled my eyes when you were telling me about it, but, you know, I guess they're just trying something new here and mm-hmm. I can't really fault them for that. And I don't know if anyone would actually take the matchmaking part of it seriously. And I think time will tell whether or not it actually did help with sales, but you know, they're Pepsi. They've done this many times before. So I don't want to be too critical yet. Um, but I don't know. Is the world really hankering for a new Pepsi flavor too? Yeah, I was going to ask, Mira, did they give any insight on why they chose mango? What are the other Pepsi flavors right now? There's like Pepsi, was there like lime or something? And like, or am I thinking of Coke? I'm thinking of like vanilla Coke. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, Pepsi flavors, they include, uh, let's see, berry, vanilla, lime, and wild cherry. And now mango. Yeah, yeah, mango so, does seem like an interesting choice. Yeah. So I didn't even know that the other flavors existed, number one. <laughs> so I think that was poor marketing <laughs> for their other flavors. Um, so maybe that's why they're like going full steam ahead with like this new flavor and then introducing like an add-on. Um, mango is an interesting choice. Um, number one, we don't even know... F- you know, it'll mesh well with Pepsi. Um, It's a tropical fruit. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know that, uh, you know, not to say that, like, it's not a fruit that's common in North America. It is, it has caught on recently, but it's more, you know, a fruit found in tropical countries. And, um, you know, people in those countries are, you know, tend to love mango. And so in North America, it's not a very common or you know, an everyday kind of a flavor. So it's interesting that they chose mango, number one. Mm-hmm. Um, number two, like I said, we don't know if it'll mesh well. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just come out and then they're linking this to this, you know, sort of concept of, of uh, dating and having this sort of dating, social media dating app yeah. kind of a thing, which I don't even know if they're, is this like uh, going to be an actual thing or is it just um, part of like a you know, Kickstarter campaign, or are they actually serious about, you know, heading into this market of like (laughs) Bumble and Tinder? Like, it's kind of confusing. Like, it's intriguing. So they're smart about that, like in terms of, you know, peaking consumer interest. But Mm -hmm. um, when you start thinking about it, you're kind of like, which direction are they 
kind of going now. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting in the fact that they're, you know, um, creating some sort of interaction with the launch of this new product. Um, I know in the past, Fanta had a Fanta Mango and it was like a bestseller and it was just Mm -hmm. a temporary thing. So maybe Mm. that was built off of those sales and they decided, you know, Mango is the next fruit. And we're starting to see Mango everywhere. So you see it in ice creams and sorbets and um, desserts and things like that. So I think... um, using mango isn't such a bad idea um especially because citrusy stuff has worked in the past not to say that mango citrusy but it's kind of that refreshing flavor but i find it very interesting that they're doing a whole matchmaking thing online and i think i will definitely want to see what that will look like um and and the kind the kind of matchmaking that they're going to make i i i don't fully understand their vision like you guys uh have been saying but i think it's uh, definitely a way to make you know this you know uh social distancing part of our lives a bit more interactive i also um, think it's going to be a limited pool though because it'll only be pepsi lovers or at the very least yeah. people who kind of remotely like pepsi yeah have so. one thing in common already, one thing in right? common all yeah, and, and you said it's going to be some reality Pepsi. stars too, Mira, that are yeah. going to like start off or something. Okay, that yeah. that makes sense. Like the, I think the like social media campaign side of it, it's a tenuous link, like you were saying, Sydney. But it makes sense to me to like generate buzz, um, like as you were suggesting, Mira. And I I agree that it's like. A dating service isn't necessarily related to the launch of a new um, flavor <laughs> yeah. of Pepsi, but uh, I think it's a yeah a good way to generate buzz. And and as far as choosing mango as a flavor, I'm sure there's like so much behind the scenes market research that we don't mm-hmm. know about. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it was a very um, targeted choice. They I'm sure they did lots of research and talked yeah. to people and uh, and and tested the market to see like what's the next flavor people would be interested in getting. But I think it is interesting that you said that they've launched this now as a permanent flavor. I thought mm-hmm. that most food companies would kind of trial the market and say this is a limited edition thing and if it takes off, um, transition it to permanent. So I, I'd be interested to know kind of what went into that decision, but certainly that seems like a behind the scenes kind of thing. Yeah, I couldn't find much information on that because I thought the exact same thing, like having mm. it as a limited time, you know, offer and then seeing how people react. Yeah. But then when I did research mango as a as a fruit and as a trending fruit it's a fruit that we are going to see a lot in the future mm-hmm. so I think maybe Pepsi jumped on that wagon sooner rather than later mm-hmm. but yeah it is their first uh, permanent flavor in five years so mm. it's pretty interesting to me too yeah just imagine being asked oh where did you meet your partner <laughs> oh, I met them on Pepsi matchmaking yeah. try it out <laughs> launching their new flavor yeah we bonded over loving mango and pepsi i could see that if if people are able to get together for in-person dates there'd be some real good photo ops there for pepsi them like clinking their cans of pepsi mango together or whatever and enjoying that refreshing beverage um but i'm wondering yeah like what are the next steps are are people who are invested in this and um seeing these um dating profiles go up are they gonna get updates I, I do they want this to be like a bachelor style thing but just like on twitter you know what i mean are we gonna find out what happened um yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I don't know. The image I get when they say like 80s video dating fad is like the one person is sitting on a chair and there's like a barrier between them and they don't know what oh, he looks yeah. like. And like this whole like, this is Chris and like, you know, that kind of like scenario. But yeah, I wonder what that's going to look like on their social media, especially, mm. especially if they're sending out people's contact information. And like, I guess you look through your DMs. Like, I don't know. I don't yeah, know. How this is all I, I was wondering work. about that. Aspect. Yeah. 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 No, I it's definitely it's fun well marketing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's entertaining marketing and I think that's what they're going for, especially using Jason Derulo's like top 40 song um to accompany this and it's called Take You Dancing. Like it's just it all adds up to this whole Pepsi Mango launch and uh yeah, I think it's pretty creative. Yeah. All right. Well, that's the end of this episode of the X Talks Food Podcast. Thanks everyone and see you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to the X Talks Food Industry Podcast. If you enjoyed our discussions today, please share the episode with your friends and colleagues and be sure to subscribe in order to be notified when a new episode is released. To join in on the discussion, you can find X Talks on social media, email podcast at xtalks.com or comment on the articles directly. Links are in the show description. Take a moment to join our community at xtalks.com to get access to everything we have to offer, including webinars, job listings, virtual meetings, articles, and more. The views and opinions expressed in the podcast are those of the speakers sharing them. They should not be taken as professional advice and do not necessarily reflect the policy or position Honeycomb Worldwide. For further information, email us at podcast at xtalks.com. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week.